listening to The Worried Writer, helping you to overcome fear, self-doubt and procrastination to get the work done. I'm your host, Sarah Painter, and I'm a novelist and self-confessed worried writer. For show notes, resources and much more, please head to worriedwriter.com. And now, on with the show. Welcome to episode 17 of The Worried Writer. I'm recording this on Thursday the 30th of June 2016. My guest today is Siobhan Karam. Siobhan is the award-winning author of several books for adults and children, including Finding Cherokee Brown, True Face and Dear Dylan, which won the Young Minds Book Award in 2010. Siobhan's latest novel for young adults is called The Moonlight Dreamers and it is out on the 7th of July. Next, just a small personal update. This is not a political show, and I want to remain upbeat and focused on creativity, writing, and the magical world of books. However, I don't feel I can talk to you today without acknowledging that June has been a truly awful month for news, including the tragic loss of life in both Orlando and Istanbul, and the murder of British MP Joe Cox. I'm based in the UK, and, as you probably know, there was a referendum held last week. The campaigning in the lead-up to this was very divisive and the result for the UK to leave the EU was shocking and won by a very narrow margin. Whichever way you voted, it's a time of uncertainty for us all. And speaking as a naturally anxious person on the losing side, it's all pretty frightening. However, I want to bring this back to the subject of the podcast. Writing. It's a good opportunity, I think, to talk about getting creative work done when life throws you a curveball. Whether it's events in the wider world or within your personal relationships, family, health or finances, these things can invade our minds, sap our mental and creative energy and make it nigh on impossible to concentrate on our work. Sometimes it's possible to compartmentalise, to say to yourself, I'm going to write now and I will think about that later. But if events have been getting too upsetting or have taken up too much of your time in practical terms, that might not be possible. If this is the case, my advice is not to worry about it, to be kind to yourself and not to add to your stress by feeling guilty about the work you are missing. While it's true that you need a strong work ethic to succeed as a writer, it is equally true that our work is, quite literally, all in our minds. When our minds are flooded with other things, it is truly difficult to write and it's okay to take time off in that situation. However, I also think it's good to try to get back to your writing as soon as you can. No guilt, no trying to catch up on what you missed, just getting back to your writing routine as soon as you can. Some ways to help with this include focusing on your writing as the fun escape, the escape from the life stuff which has upset you. This is why I don't think adding guilt or berating yourself into working is a good idea. When life is frightening or upsetting or confusing, more than ever, your fiction should be a place of refuge, a place of fun, a creative outlet. If you're finding it hard to get back to your routine, then start with small goals to just ease your way back in. Set something very manageable, such as writing 200 words, and then celebrate afterward. Also, Take a step back and widen out your perspective. If you get back to your writing routine after a few days off, that week of lost words will be barely a blip by the end of the year. It won't make any real difference to your productivity in the long term. 
And even if the life event is bigger and you are derailed for months, zoom out a wee bit further. In the context of a writing life, years and years of writing stories, a few months off won't matter. What matters, if you want to write, is coming back to it. Okay, I hope that's helpful. And as always, I want to say a few thank yous to some lovely Twitter folk for their support. Anne Letissier, who's at Anne Letiss. Amanda, who's at Film vs. Book. Lauren Lott, who's at Lozzie Lott. Pat Elliott, who's at Feet Paint Words. And Patricia Ryder, who's at Pat R. Ryder. Thank you so much to everyone for listening, subscribing, rating and reviewing. I really appreciate your support. As ever, if you have a question you'd like answered on the show, do get in touch. You can email me at sarah at worriedwriter.com or find me on Twitter at Sarah R. Painter. If you know someone who would like this podcast, please do spread the word. And now, on to the interview section of the show. Siobhan Karam is the award-winning author of several books for adults and children, including Finding Cherokee Brown, True Face, Dear Dylan, which won the Young Minds Book Award in 2010, and The Scene Stealers. Siobhan is also an editorial consultant, motivational speaker, and life coach, and has written for a variety of publications, including The Guardian and Cosmopolitan. Siobhan is passionate about helping others with their writing, and runs a creative coaching service, Dare to Dream, and has released a non-fiction title, Dare to Write a Novel. Welcome to the show, Siobhan, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I covered a wee bit about your background in the introduction, but I was hoping that you could tell us a bit more about your coaching for writers and your non-fiction book, Dare to Write a Novel. Sure, yeah. Well, um, I first got into coaching other writers. Actually, if I'm, I'm completely honest about this, it was for financial reasons because um, I'd had three, no, sorry, four books for adults published and um, my marriage had just broken up. So I found myself as a single, single mum suddenly panicking and thinking, how am I going to pay the bills? And I wanted to do something that was linked into to writing and my passion for writing. And so I contacted my local council and said, do you have any, you know, opportunities for, for a writer? And thankfully, I was uh, looking back now, I think I was extremely lucky. It was before, you know, all the libraries were having to face and the arts departments were facing quite savage cuts. So they still had budgets for things like this. But um, they asked me to run a weekly writing workshop in one of my local libraries. And I can remember being absolutely terrified at first, you know, and thinking, who am I to coach other writers? And, you know, all those insecurities come in and you just sort of think, um, oh, you know, I'm not good enough to do this. And um, but, you know, like I said, I just felt, you know, I had this this financial need to do it. And I, I you know, and I can remember turning up actually for the first one. <laughs> And getting to the library and I could see this little group of people had congregated who were obviously, you know, coming to the group. And I heard, I just overheard one of the women say, the thing I really can't bear about Dickens is, and then she went on, you know, and I thought, oh my God, you know, she thinks Dickens. <laughs> well, she's not going to listen to anything I've got to say. But anyway, um, so yeah, that's how it all began. So it probably wasn't the best of starts, but, but very quickly I came to absolutely love it and um it was a really important lesson for me actually because something that yeah so I'd initially sort of you know gone about it for the for the money and 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 um out of maybe a place of fear but 
I just absolutely loved coaching other writers and, and the group just grew and grew and grew until there was no room left in the original place where we were meeting. So we had to go to a bigger part of the library. And I ended up running that group for six years and I ran uh, about, after I'd been doing it for about one year, another local borough asked me if I'd do a similar thing for them. So I was running two weekly groups and the writers that came to those groups, some amazing friendships were formed and, and, um, and I just love, I think, because writing is a very solitary pursuit. So I mm-hmm. think if you can get a group of writers together in a supportive and underlying word supportive uh, <laughs> environment where they're helping each other, um, you know, to get better as writers, I think it's a wonderful thing. And, and, and um, the feedback that I, you know, got from people back then was, you know, especially the people working on books and novels was that coming to the group every week gave them that incentive to write you know, a chapter each week so that they'd have something to read to the rest of the group and then the feedback they could take away and, and help them rewrite. So, yeah, that, that's how I got into it. And then off the back of those groups, then I started coaching individual writers. And so, yeah, it was great because what, what, what at first felt very scary became, yeah, one of the most fulfilling aspects of my, my job now, really. That's fantastic. And um, your nonfiction book, Dare to Write a Novel, I'm assuming that that's grown quite naturally out of your coaching work. Yeah. Yeah. So Uh that was, so when I sat down to write my my first novel, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. (laughs) And it was such a a long, laborious process because I, you know, I'd literally write one sentence and then you pick it to death and then write the next and then go and read an extract from one of my favorite novelists and think, oh my God, I'm never going to be that good, you know. And, and, um, and so it was a very difficult, you know, until I finally got into the swing of it, you know, it was sort of quite laborious and painful process. And so it had been in the back of my mind for a while, you know, one day I want to write a book about writing a novel because Mm -hmm. back then I had to kind of teach myself and I thought you know basically my aim for dare to write a novel is just to put everything that I've learned now I've written many many novels you know just um in one handy place you know so there's worksheets and podcasts kind of linked to the book as well but it takes you right through from literally you know sort of overcoming any fears that you might have about your own writing ability to coming up with ideas for a story, to plotting, to developing interesting characters, to what to do when you hit a wall, because you will hit a wall probably several more times, um, you know, all this stuff, and then how to edit your first draft, and then where to send it, and, and how to write a publishing proposal. So I just wanted to put everything that I've learned into this one book so that people could go... You know, because I also, I remember when I was starting out, I couldn't afford to pay for a writing coach or go to some swanky creative writing course. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to offer something that's, you know, really cheap. And that, so for people, especially if they couldn't, you know, if they if they couldn't afford to, to pay for a writing course, that they can just get my book for three ninety nine or whatever. And um, and hopefully it's got everything they'll need in there in one place. Uh-huh. So that was that was the aim, really. for Brilliant. And how about writing fiction? Um, you're talking about that painful first novel. Yes. <laughs> uh, how, what was your journey into writing fiction? Had you always wanted to be a writer? Pretty much. Um, uh-huh. It's <laughs> When I give talks, I always say I start my talks about writing, you know, telling people about this, this terrible incident from my childhood. Uh, <laughs> when my evil parents had this stupid notion that having a television was bad for a child's imagination. So when I was growing up, we had no TV. And this is back in the days before the internet and computers and mobile phones. So 
I had a choice really. I either died of boredom or I, I learned to love reading because that was pretty much all I could do at home. Um, and we had loads of books. So that's, that's kind of how I got, you know, so I loved reading as a kid and then that kind of spilled into a love of writing. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. And then, um, and so, pr- yeah, with, there was a brief phase where I wanted to be a pathologist. Um, <laughs> Because I'd got really into this TV show called Quincy, and I thought it'd be fun to to <laughs> investigate murders. <laughs> but um, yeah, and no, I'm by and large. So you you were firmly in reality, is what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, when did you get started um, with your first novel? Well. What happened there was I, so yeah, so all through my teenage years, I dreamed of becoming a writer. And part of that dream, I I, um, applied to university to study English. Mm -hmm. And then when I got to uni, I had a massive crisis of confidence because I grew up on a council estate in, in London and people that I grew up with, you know, A, they didn't really go to uni for a start and they certainly didn't become writers. And uh-huh. so once I got to uni and I made these new friends and who were all from much sort of wealthier backgrounds to me, it, it caused a massive crisis of confidence because I, I just started saying to myself, well, people from council estates, you know, they don't become writers and, and, um, you know, you don't belong in this world. It's, you know, it's a middle class world and you should really be working in a shop or something. And so unfortunately, I ended up dropping out of uni in my second year because of this, mm-hmm. working for the complaints department for a well-known um, retail store. And the only thing I was writing were complaint uh, apology letters to, <laughs> to customers. So that was pretty depressing. But then when I became pregnant with my son and I was off on maternity leave, and so the dream didn't go, you know, I think that's the thing mm. for writing. You can't just switch it off, can you? So I was still kind of like writing little bits and pieces here and there. And then when I was on maternity leave, I just figured, well, I've got this time at home. I want something to do with my brain you know so that I'm completely mm. brain dead from being off, off work and um, so I just thought oh, I'll give this writing thing a go and and because I dropped out of uni and like I said I didn't have the money to do any kind of fancy creative writing course I decided to approach it like I would any other business and so start at the bottom start very small and work up and so what I did was the first thing I did was try to get some short stories published because that didn't feel quite so daunting as sitting down and writing a novel. So I had a couple of short stories published in those, you know, those women's weekly magazines that have mm-hmm. scary headlines like the day my womb fell out or <laughs> my brother's nephew or whatever. I don't know, you know, they're just really horrible. Um, um, but it was something, you know, I'd got something mm. published and that was a real boost to my confidence. And so then that, that in turn, you know, sort of gave me the confidence to sit down and, and write my first novel. And also I'd kind of learned, you know, by writing short stories, it was a good a good practice ground. And mm. So scary and big. But you, you're doing all the same things. You're creating characters. You're coming up with a plot. So that's that's how I did it, really. And, and then, yeah, so I was still on maternity leave. And, and um, I sat down and I, I wrote my first novel. And as I said, it was pretty, you know, hard going at times. But I did love it. Once I got into the swing of it, I really, really loved it. And it was such a great escape. And, um, yeah, and then I was lucky enough that when I finished it, um, I sent it to a few agents. I got a couple of rejections. But then I think the third agent I sent it to, thankfully, she liked it. And she'd she got me a book deal within two weeks of signing with her wow yeah so it kind of yeah then it went that was quick (laughs) yeah yeah very Mm. quick 
so it was all a bit of a whirlwind but what wonderful it was great and it just goes to show I think I mean this is why I like talking about this because it, it just goes to show that you should never give up on your dreams and mm. you know when I told my teenage self I didn't have what it took to become a published author it just wasn't true you know so uh-huh. um, so I wasted time you know sort of valuable time in that job from hell <laughs> you know um so yeah so hopefully that well you know sort of that story inspires other people to you know to kind of keep the faith and um yeah it can happen definitely definitely that's brilliant and um i know that you then went on to have uh, several books uh, published traditionally yes um and those are your books for adults and yeah. then you i believe you self-published uh, dear dylan which was your uh, young adult book, yes. is that right? Yes. Which then also went on, as I said in the intro, went on to win the Young Minds Book Award. So, yes. could you talk me through your decision to put it out yourself, and sure. whether that was scary or how that yeah. came about? Yeah. So that, yeah. So basically, what happened was, so I ha- ended up having four books published for adults and uh-huh. living the dream, and then the dream kind of went went sour, and um, I didn't sell enough of, of copies of my fourth book, and I got dropped by my publisher, and so that was a massive knockback. And, you know, I can remember at one point, right, that's it, I won't write anymore. But as I said before, you know, if you have a passion for writing, you just have to write. Don't you? <laughs> so, um, so in the meantime, I'd been started doing a lot of workshops in schools, in high schools and working with teenagers, doing writing workshops with teenagers had reminded me of, you know, what a dramatic and difficult time teenage years can be. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I'd love to write a novel for young adults that's about, you know, some of the issues that they face and the tough things that teenagers can face in the hope that it would help anyone who's going through similar, uh, overcome their own, you know, sort of obstacles. And so I got this idea for this book, Dear Dylan, and um, it was about a teenage girl who her, she lives with her mum and her stepfather and her mum has a drink problem and her stepfather's abusive. But this girl has a passion for acting you know and her dream is to one day become an actor and so the book is all about how she overcomes the difficult difficulties at home Mm -hmm. carries on pursuing her dream and then when it was finished a friend of mine said oh you know she'd heard of this publisher who actively looking for young adult titles at the time I should send it to them so I did and the editor got back and said you know oh you know love to publish it but um we think it's a bit too, you know, the issue's a bit too hard-hitting and we'd like you to kind of, like, water it down, basically. Gosh. And uh-huh. so that was a real toughie because you know, I'd, you know, gone from a point thinking maybe I'd never get another traditional book deal ever again. Um, and here was someone, here was a publisher offering me a two-book deal, but on the proviso that I quite dramatically changed my book. Oh, I can't imagine. That must have been very yeah, tough. It was really tough. And at first mm. I thought, no, take the deal, take the deal. You need the money, for God's sake. It's a book deal. What are you thinking? <laughs> you know. But then, do you know what? When The minute I agreed and I said, yeah, okay, I felt horrible. I felt really, really crap. And when I thought of having to rewrite the book into this kind of much weaker, in my mind, you know, sort of watered down thing, it felt rubbish and then I thought about the teenagers that I'd been working about I thought about myself when I was a teenager and I thought yeah they can handle this stuff they're having to live with this stuff you know that a lot of them so they can definitely handle it in a book and I thought it was a bit patronizing to say oh yeah you know teenagers we need to sanitize real mm. whatever no we don't <laughs> you know, they see it all on the internet you know so um so in the end I um you know it was a really tough decision but I turned down the book deal 
and I decided to publish it myself. And I was so kind of fired up at that point because I thought, right, effort, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I wrote this book to help people. So if I self-publish it, I can give away the ebook for free. And then hopefully, you know, even though it's been self-published, if it's free, it will hopefully reach more kids. Uh-huh. You know, like it won't cost them anything. They can just download it to their computer. So that's what I did. So I published, you know, so I self-published an actual physical copy that people could buy. But then there was the ebook was free on my website to download. And then I started um, sending copies out to book bloggers and again, you know, that negative voice in my head was saying, it's self-published, they won't, no one reviews self-published books, there's no point doing it. But then I just thought, well, what have I got to lose? I might as well. And then it was great. I'll never forget the first book blogger who reviewed the book. You know, I was just so grateful to her and so amazed that it happened. But then it just kind of snowballed and more and more young adult book bloggers started reviewing it. And it was getting really good reviews, which really, you know, fired up my confidence. And then, yeah, one day I was having my lunch and I was flicking through a copy of the Bookseller magazine. And I saw this um, article in there from the Young Minds Book Awards, which is aimed at publishing houses saying, mm-hmm. don't forget to enter your books for the Young Minds Book Award. And I just thought, sorry, I'm going to enter Dear Dylan. And then, you know, and then again, you know, my voice, inner voice saying, yeah, but it's self-published. No, I've the book award's not going to accept a self-published book. But again, I just thought, well, what have you got to lose? The cost of a stamp on a book, you know. So I sent a copy off thinking I'd never hear anything. And then I don't know how long, you know, a couple of weeks later, I got an acknowledgement email saying, thank you very much. It's been entered. So I was like, okay, fair enough. Um, and then about a month or two later, I got an email saying, uh, congratulations, dear Dylan's been long listed. So it was on the final 10 or something or 12. Fantastic. It's like, oh my God. And I was at work at the time. I remember going into the toilet and doing this little like, like celebratory <laughs> dance. Because that to me was as good as winning, you know, getting long and all the other books were well-known authors from traditional publishing houses, you know, so it felt such a great moment. And then a few months later, I get another email saying, congratulations, it's been shortlisted. So it's now down to the final five. <laughs> and so I was, again, in the toilet. Woo-hoo, you know? <laughs> and, um, and then, um, yeah, so I was invited to this award ceremony at a theatre in London. And it was just like, you know, when you see award ceremonies on TV and, and uh, it was a great night. And I had absolutely not even the slightest hope that I was going to win you know to me just being there in the final five that was winning so I didn't bring anyone with me (laughs) I just went on my own after work just bowled up in kind of quite scruffy clothes you know (laughs) and uh, (laughs) and just had to enjoy the night you know and then I'll never forget the end of the night you know then it's all the big build-up and then the the hosts I remember her saying I think all of the writer, the shortlisted writers deserve a big round of applause because they've all done really well. And then I heard my name and I thought, oh, I must have come fifth. She must be calling us up one by one, building up to the winner. Uh-huh. So I go strolling up on the stage, you know, all, all casual. And um, <laughs> she hands me this bouquet of flowers and then she hands me a box of chocolates and a, a massive big gold envelope, which actually contained the winner's check. I didn't realise that at the time. And, and then this box. And I'm thinking, this is a bit over the top for runner-up. For fifth? You know? <laughs> yeah. And then I wow. Box, and there's this beautiful award with Dear Dylan on it. And I sort of said, did I win? You know, and she said, yeah. <laughs> and everyone's cracking up laughing. <laughs> and I burst into tears. But it was just, you know, and again, I, I love sharing this story with other writers because, again, it's proof of what can happen, you know, and and, mm-hmm. and 
I know it's not likely. I know this kind of thing doesn't happen every day, but it does happen, uh-huh. you know, and I, I think it's a really good example of, A, creatively sticking to your guns. You know, if you've written a book that you feel really passionately about mm-hmm. and if, if, you know, if someone wants to change it beyond all recognition and it oh. will no longer feel like it's yours, then then I think, you know, stick to your guns, you know, and and, um, and you never know what might happen because then in the end what happened for me was it went to auction and I had about six different publishers bidding for it. And it got published again, you know, traditionally uh-huh. published in 2012 by a publisher who didn't change it at all, you know, and um, and the rest is, is history. You know, I have just finished my sixth young adult but traditionally published book. Um, so, you know, it's just an example of, of what can happen if you just have faith and, and just keep keep trying, uh-huh. you know, and believe. And I think with the editorial thing as well, um, it's difficult because you have to learn to take editorial Definitely. comments, and that's part of oh, yeah. whether whether you do it um, through yeah. independent publishing or yes. or traditionally. Yeah. But I I do think that your story is so important in that you you have to have that gut feel. If your gut yes. feeling is yes. if they don't get the book, or yes. your gut feeling is yes. telling you it, this is not my writer ego. Yes, this exactly. Is, and yeah then you should listen yeah. to that and I so I, yeah. I think that's fantastic and I admire you hugely for managing to do so because that must oh, have been very very tough in that situation yeah it was so I, exciting I remember actually crying the night I turned the book deal down crying saying to my partner I think what if I made a massive mistake you know <laughs> um, but yeah it was um it was all good in the well it was better than good in the very end. good in the so, end <laughs> yeah I know that you you've got a few books now traditionally published um again and uh, and i believe uh is dare to write a novel is that something you've put out yourself yes, is that independent yeah. so effectively you're hybrid yes still and what do you like about being hybrid and where do you see yourself going do you do you see yourself continuing to publish hybrid or just go traditional or um i i mean firstly i love it that we have this choice now no i mean when i started out back in the day we didn't really i mean you could vanity publish but it cost thousands of pounds and there wasn't really the internet to kind of no there wasn't the distribution was there so it wasn't so it it wasn't an option for writers you were completely at the mercy of agents and traditional publishing houses so i love the fact that now you know we can have this freedom and we can we can either be completely self-publishing or hybrid like myself or completely traditional you know and um, the thing i like about mixing it up is that sometimes um it's nice to have full you know creative control over your work and by that i mean you know the cover design how you market the book how you price the book because of course when you traditionally publish you have no control over that stuff and um so and and now you know with sites like amazon there are some great um, promotions that you can put your book into if you've self-published it where you can offer it for free for a couple of days and that just brings lots of attention to it mm-hmm. so, you know, so there are all these great things that you can do if, if, especially if you do enjoy marketing and that side of it and you kind of see yourself as a there's a phrase isn't there writerpreneur but you know if yes. you really enjoy that business side of it and um and having full control over your product because essentially your book is your product mm-hmm. um then then I think self-publishing is great. And, and the thing I like about doing both is that if you wanted, like I, I pub, self-published a book called Dare to Dream last year because I wanted to raise money for um, a leukemia charity because my friend died from leukemia two years ago. And 
So I could very quickly put a book out and and uh-huh. money um, by self-publishing, you know, and traditional publishing is a very slow process. Mm-hmm. You know, so you get the book deal, your book won't be published for at least another year after, you know. Um, uh-huh. So it, it maybe isn't for everybody, but for me, I, I love it. And I, I also love being traditionally published. I'm with a really wonderful publisher at the moment, Walker Books, who are putting so much effort and care into um, my book, The Moonlight Dreamers, which is coming out in July. And, and um, things that I couldn't, I don't have the budget to, you know, uh-huh. kind of do that. And, and um, to have that kind of marketing reach. So that's a big plus for the traditional side that they can get your book into the shops much more easily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they have, you know, often anyway, uh, a bigger marketing spend than, than you would individually. So mm-hmm. it really is, there's pros and cons to both, but I, I just love the fact that we have both. Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree with you. It's very exciting. Yes, it is. Yeah. And so if we can um, just go down to a, a sort of nitty gritty day to day, what's your writing process? Do you sort of write every day? Do you aim for a certain word count or how do you how do you tackle it? Um, well, now I'm fortunate enough because, you know, for a long time I was having to do other jobs during the day. I mean, they were all connected, like editorial consultancy jobs and things um, on a freelance basis. But but I'm getting, you know, more and more time to actually devote to write my own writing. Um, uh-huh. So... Um, I am. I have to be really disciplined about it now. You know, it's my job, and so you know, I'm. I'm sort of. So I do try. You know, I'm. I'm writing every day at the moment because I'm. I'm setting myself this challenge of daily blogging on my Facebook author page, and um, that's been great. You know, that's been a really good because I think it's so easy to procrastinate when you're a writer. <laughs> there seems to be such a common complaint among people. You know, that they, they will find anything to do other than write sometimes you know like polishing the skirting boards and you know that's a watering the cat or whatever um so it's reading just, the internet yes exactly exactly <laughs> oh, God, yeah yeah that's a massive distraction um so yeah I've, I've got much more disciplines and I'm loving it because what I'm finding and I guess it's like any it's like any physical exercise you know if you if you start running if you run every day then you're going to get better and faster, quicker, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. If you just run once a month for a big, long burst, but then don't run again for a month, you know, you're not going to see any improvement. And I think the same applies to writing. So I think it's good to write as often as you can, even if you only have one hour a day or half an hour a day, you know, just Mm -hmm. just, write something. So, yeah, so it's my job so I try you know I write most days and when I'm really into a book then I'll be working all day on that book um Uh you know so yeah and in practical terms do you um switch off the internet or do you um use reward charts or any of these other what other sort of tips or tricks do you use to keep that discipline because it is difficult yeah so tips Uh book writing is to set yourself word count targets so for example when I'm working on a novel um, I'll break it down so I try and aim for 10,000 words a week and so if it's a young adult novel about 70,000 words so that's you know the first draft done in over seven weeks I mean I'm not or you know you might have something come up one week so it's always going to take a bit longer but you know that's the kind of the aim uh-huh. um, and then I break it down so I'm thinking right my target is 10,000 words a week 
break that down. Well, what days am I free? What day could I do 3,000 words on? You, do you know what I mean? So it's kind of, yeah. and then I, I reward myself, I have a little reward system, I guess. Even during the day, actually, I have little reward moments. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'll sit down, say, to start writing at nine, and then, you know, I, at 11, that's like my coffee time, and coffee's a big reward for me, and <laughs> coffee and cake or chocolate, whatever. Uh-huh. You know, um, and I don't ban myself from the internet because sometimes and I, I wonder actually if any of your listeners can or if you can relate to this but what I'm finding is that I'll write a chunk and then it's like I need to have a quick distraction you know because I if I'm too focused for too long I'll get a headache and I can't see the wood for the trees so what I'll do is so I'll be writing away on my laptop and then I'll get my phone and I'll have a quick flick maybe onto Facebook or check my emails Mm-hmm. just something not for too long though never longer than five minutes but just to kind of switch out the novel for a moment uh-huh. and then come back again and like okay boom you know and um so it's I don't know how often I'll do that but I definitely break up the day so it's not like I would never sit down to write all day with no distractions and not doing anything mm-hmm. else because I think my head would explode. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't know if you, I mean, how? I think that's an important thing to note because people, you know, I say, oh, I, I write full time. Yeah. But that, you know, that's, I no, I don't think anybody can sit and concentrate, yeah. as you say, for hours and hours, yeah, yeah. the sort of focused, intense concentration. Yeah. Yes. You need breaks. Yeah. My, my problem is that, um, it's very easy. If I'm really in the zone, mm. then I'll have a five-minute internet break with no problem, yes. and I'll pop on Twitter for a wee chat, and then I'm yeah. fine. My problem is is that if it's not going so well, if I'm not in the zone, that yeah. five-minute break turns into yeah. an hour, yeah. and then I hate myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I've got a tip for that. Uh-huh. You know, when you're not in the zone, um, then don't go on the internet. Have a break, definitely, because you'll just drive yourself nuts staring at the uh-huh. screen. But that's when I do something physical. So when I'm stuck like that, that's when I will take myself out for a big long walk uh-huh. or, or I'll even, you know, just turn on some. I remember one of my first editors saying to me, oh, um, when I was telling her about feeling a bit stuck and she said, oh, you just just turn on some music and dance. And so sometimes, you know, when you haven't got the time or whatever to go for a long walk, you know, doing that, you know, and really, when I say dance, I don't mean like some beautifully choreographed thing, you know, but but just some crazy dance, you know, put on some really upbeat music and just freak out because it's almost as if by physically like just shaking and, and really dancing quite, you know, sort of um, enthusiastically, it's like you shake your ideas free or something. Well, that's what I find anyway, you know, just getting out of a chair and, oh, you know, sort of just like really letting, letting um, rip can really, really help, I find. That's fantastic it, advice. Yeah. I'm going to try that. Yeah, yeah, do. And it's fun. If nothing else, it's fun. Um, you know, dancing like a crazy person is always... And fun. it's good for RSI as well because you've stopped and stretched. Yeah, so exactly. basically that just hits all the boxes. All, there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say as well that the other good thing about your um, bit of advice about stopping and, and you were describing stopping and checking your phone for a, a few minutes yeah. is that that's on a different device. So you're yes. you're working on your novel in yes. on your laptop in that and that's that world yes and then when you're having your wee break it's not on the same screen yes. and maybe that helps you to yeah yeah do you know I I haven't done that consciously but now I think mm. about it yeah I never like the the laptop I use for writing I never really use for internet because I have a, a um a Chromebook you know like a little iPad uh-huh. thing, um, that I do all my internet stuff on and and my phone but I have a 
big old laptop that I write my books on, and um, and I don't even associate that laptop with internet surfing. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. You've trained yeah. yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. And in terms of your business, obviously you're working, you do a, a huge amount of things, um, and you're self-employed mm-hmm. as writer's are uh do you keep strict sort of monday to friday business hours and how do you balance the sort of business side the marketing side with the creative side i think i'm really lucky because i love what i do you know so um for me i don't really have like a monday to friday nine to five thing i hate that world you know and that's big motivation for me to kind of you know be a writer and be my own boss because I just hate being like a you know robot and and, um but the thing when you love your work and this can be a problem you know because then it's hard to switch off sometimes and so um I'll often work on the weekend I mean I keep Sunday I try you know I I hardly ever work on a Sunday unless I'm really up against a deadline uh Sunday is just completely you know barely any internet just real fun day um but um but yeah i often work on saturdays and um and so uh i think yeah i think that's the thing if you love what you do you just feel you want to do it anyway you know so it's not a case of you don't it's not hard to sit down and and work and and i i use that also as a barometer you know because i if i find myself you know doing a project or working on something and, and I'm resistant it's making me think oh god I don't want to do this you know um then I ask myself should I be doing that you know okay mm-hmm. and, and I've learned the hard way over the years with that you know because I've done some jobs where I've thought writing related jobs you know but that actually you know haven't ended up being very joyful experiences mm-hmm. um, and so you know because it's just a subject matter just you know, it didn't appeal to me or, or whatever, you know. And, and uh-huh. um, so, yeah, so I think it's it's good to use that as a test, you know, that, that actually if you're doing the right thing, it, you probably don't need to, you know, worry about, you know, being motivated. It'll just happen that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. And in terms of over the long term, because obviously you've written lots and lots of books and um, I would like to be in that position in a few years' time. Do you have any tips for staying creative over the long term, sort of avoiding burnout? Yes. Yes. Okay. So that's kind of like there's two halves to that question because I Uh think staying creative, I would say keep your life interesting. You know, don't don't kind of because this is a danger with writing because it's a very insular job, isn't it? You know, and and Mm -hmm. tucked away, writing away very much in your head. And so what I found is that I, I, um, I'm lucky enough that one of the strands of my, my career is public speaking and so I go out a lot and do a lot of talks and, and, and get to travel a lot doing that too now and um, so that's fantastic and I always come back from those, you know, from doing a speaking tour or whatever um, really motivated to write because I'll have met loads of interesting people and gone to different places and that's just fired up my creativity and so I like to travel a lot and you know you don't have to have a big budget to be able to travel even you know just going somewhere locally you've never been to before you know just just I remember one, once uh, setting myself this sort of challenge one month to just always do different things. So take a different route to work. Or I remember one lunch break, you know, I'd, I'd go to lunch. I'd always go to the same place. And I wandered down this different road and I, ha- I came across this art exhibition, which was amazing, you know. And um, 
And so it's just kind of having an open mind and, and having the mind of an adventurer or an explorer, you know, mm. if then you'll, you'll get loads of new material for your creativity. And then the second part of the, the question, the burnout part, how do you avoid burnout? I think um, for me personally, it's about um, always making sure that there's lots of time away from the screen, away from the work, away from the online world, um, mm. you know, doing what I would call real things. Um, that's not to say what happens online isn't real, but I think a lot of what happens online isn't very real, <laughs> really. <laughs> um, uh -huh. So the thing, and everyone's different, but for me that would be going for long hikes with a friend or by myself or um, just fun times with friends or, um, yeah, traveling, exploring, meditation. I meditate every uh -huh. day. I, um, I take really good care of myself physically now. I didn't used to when I was younger. It would be all about the coffee and, you know, and sugar <laughs> to try and get stuff done. Um, but then you just burn out really quickly. I think, you know, mm -hmm. it just gives you an instant buzz and then you crash down even lower. So I eat very healthily most of the time. Um, and I do yoga and I dance and I walk a lot and I get outside a lot. So that's a really nice balance and that mm. really helps avoid burnout for me. And in terms of um, meditation, something that I've had recommended to me quite a few times now. Yeah. Um, and I, after resisting it and saying that I could never do it because yeah. I've got too much of a monkey mind, yeah. um, I tried... I tried uh, with an, an app um, and I actually really enjoyed it, but I haven't, I must admit that I have failed in getting it into a daily routine. I haven't quite, yeah. I haven't made it a habit yet. Yeah. And I was wondering um, if you've got any tips for people who would maybe would like to try meditation or yeah. tips for getting it into a daily habit yeah, the way that you have. Meditation has massively helped me. I, mean, I meditate mm. every single day now and uh -huh. um and yeah, I, I can remember being like you and, and, you know, hearing all this good stuff about meditation and trying it and it not quite working. And I think, A, the first thing people have to realize is that it's not possible to completely switch your brain off. And I think a lot of people, they sit down and they try to meditate and they can't, you know, their thoughts are still there. And so they think, oh, I can't do this, you know. <laughs> uh -huh. You know, it's not a case of switching your thoughts off. It's a case of observing your thoughts. So instead of being all caught up in your thoughts, like we are usually in life, you know, we're just kind of in them and we're not even aware of them. Mm -hmm. Meditation is about sitting there in stillness and being aware of them, watching them. So instead of being in them, thinking, oh, here comes that thought about, you know, whatever it is. And we all have our own, you know, so that thought about what to have for the dinner tonight. Or here comes that thought about what a crap writer I am. But I'm just <laughs> going to watch it go past like a clap, you know. And that's the difference. That's meditation. It's it's kind of stepping back. And mm -hmm. you're still having the thoughts, but there's this deeper awareness of what's going on. And that kind of calms you and if you can make it a daily practice it becomes very very easy then to drop back in drop into that zone throughout the day if you feel okay. you're getting anxious or nervous you know you kind of um but there's a really simple thing that people could people who are new to meditation could try which is literally it's just and it's connected to your breathing and breathing is a really important part of meditation and, and calming yourself too it's just being becoming aware of the in-breath and the out-breath and and most in most meditations they recommend you breathe in deeply through the nose and then out deeply through the mouth and what you could do this is so simple but just as you're breathing in through the nose just think to yourself 
this is my in-breath. And as you breathe out through the mouth, this is my out-breath. This is my in-breath. This is my out <sighs> It's so simple. But you, if you just do that for one or two minutes, I guarantee it will calm you down because you're a, you're, you know, by saying that in your mind, it sounds really like basic. This is my in-breath. This is my out-breath. But, but actually, it stops you flitting around and uh-huh. about what to have for dinner or whether or not you're a good writer because you're focusing on your breath. So uh-huh. it's a nice, simple one for people. To oh, that's a good one. Yeah, and you can, the good thing about that one is you can do it anywhere. So if you're feeling stressed out in public on a train or whatever, you know, you're not, mm-hmm. you're not saying it out loud. You're not saying this, isn't no. it? This is yeah. <laughs> Everyone moves away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, actually, if you're on a crowded train and you're yeah. in space, <laughs> say it out loud. <laughs> Watch people run. <laughs> but no, that's a, a lovely, simple one, I think, especially uh-huh. for people who are starting out, definitely. Mm. Oh, that's brilliant. And do you find that it has a knock-on effect in terms of your... Um, do you have any worries when you're writing and so on or any creative blocks or any time when fear is likely to strike and make you procrastinate and do that uh, do you find a knock-on effect from things like meditation in helping to handle those things yeah i mean meditation's definitely helped me to handle uh-huh. those you know just any generally any kind of all <laughs> sorts really but uh-huh. i think when it comes to writing the best thing that happened to me was also the worst thing that ever happened to me, which was getting dropped by a publisher. And, you know, that mm-hmm. was writing for adults. That had been, you know, get it, the thought of getting dropped by a publisher was my worst nightmare, you know, my biggest fear. And, uh-huh. you know, before it happened, like when I first got my first book deal, you know, I, I, you know, I can remember thinking, oh, but what if I lose all of this, you know, and uh, what will I do? And then it happened. And I realized that actually I didn't die. No one died. Um, and, actually the reverse you know it it was what led to me doing more coaching and editorial work and and um you know which was to go on to become you know one of the most fulfilling rewarding aspects of my my job and so um the worst happened and it it ended up becoming one of the best things that happened and so that's really helped me I think often we can not question our fears you know we just our our fear we're always going to have fears you know I think fear is a key part of the creative process and Elizabeth Gilbert who wrote Eat Pray Love she just wrote a great book called Big Magic which is about the creative process and I love the way in her book she talks about how yeah fear is an inevitable part of the creative process we're never going to get rid of it so we have to imagine we're driving along in a car fear is always going to be in the car but we never let it drive we never let it choose what gets played on the radio (laughs) we just put it in the back seat and we get on you know and and, um yeah you know for me personally it it was great my worst fear coming true was brilliant because it showed me that actually the world didn't end so Mm. now you know I'm, I'm being traditionally published so of course you know my book that's coming out in July it could be a massive flop but I know now that my world won't end if it is. And that's so great. You know, it's so great to know that and to not have to deal with those kind of fears. So I think to anyone listening to this, you know, it's just to, I just would like to just really try and, and, and reassure them that, you know, A, you know, our, our, our worst fears coming true can often lead to far better things. And there's always going to be a lesson in it somewhere anyway, you know, when things go wrong. And and secondly, just maybe, I don't know, you know, remind yourself of what really matters. Because I think that's another thing. I've learned so much about the publishing industry over the course of my career. And 
I could have become really cynical and jaded about it, but I haven't, you know, because I just kind of laugh at it now. And I've realized that actually, you know what, um, having a book deal does not make you a writer. Writing makes you a writer. Pure <laughs> you know uh -huh. so just don't invest too much in in the book deal you know just just invest everything in the creative process and the joy that brings you and and try and you know keep away from the fearful side that's fantastic advice and that sounds like a very good recipe for a nice working week as well yeah exactly <laughs> absolutely yeah uh -huh. definitely definitely but I also love um, I lo also love uh, Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. That's great. Um, and do you have, obviously I'll be putting a link to your um, Dare to Write a Novel book, of course, and to your coaching. But what's, what's on the horizon? So, yes, yeah, so I've got the Moonlight Dream that's coming out at the beginning of July. Uh -huh. and, uh, and is that for children or young adults? That's young adults and it's okay. older end of young adults because uh, uh -huh. there's, you know, the issues in it. So it's kind of, okay. so I think it definitely cross over into it as well. And, um, and then I've got a sequel to that coming out next summer. And so I'm looking forward to doing lots of, uh, you know, sort of promotional things and workshops off the back of that because that book is all about, you know, the importance of daring to dream and it's just looking at, you know, how... Uh, I don't know. Okay, I could go off on a rant here, but I won't. <laughs> but just, uh, you know, I feel like society has, there's been a massive dumbing down, in my opinion, you know, in society, just with this whole celebrity culture and reality TV mm -hmm. and the internet, you know, and the internet's a wonderful thing also, but, you know, I think there's been a lot of dumbing down with it. And um, so the Moonlight Dreamers is really about four people who are just kind of sick of that. And they come together and they form this secret society inspired by Oscar Wilde um, to just be proud of being different, you know, and, and to help each other pursue their, their dreams with varying degrees of success. And so um, off the back of that, I, I want, you know, I'm going to be doing some workshops and talks and things just, and, and just helping people chase after their dreams and dare to be different and you know so I'm really mm. looking forward to that and then I'm hoping also to be running some more writing workshops so I guess people listening to that could just check out my website for any details of the de okay. dates and things on, on there. Oh fantastic and will you be doing some more podcasts? Yes because Brilliant. Um, I started doing podcasts for Dare to Write a Novel because I thought uh -huh. it would be good to have some of the exercises. There's some guided, actually, there's some guided meditations in the Dare to Write a Novel podcast so um, to help people creatively. Wonderful. And I really enjoyed doing that. I mean, they're a bit rough around the edges because I'm still kind of learning when it comes to podcasting, but I do love the intimacy about a podcast, mm -hmm. the way that you feel like you're just talking directly to, to the listener. So, yeah, definitely um, want to be doing more, more podcasting. So that will, you know, there'll be sure be details, but you can find me on SoundCloud, all my podcasts on SoundCloud. Okay. So, um, yeah. Where's the best place for people to go to find out more about you and your books? I guess the best place would be my website, siobhancurram.co.uk but I'm also on Facebook daily blogging Siobhan Curram author um, so you know come and follow me there and my daily blog it's just sort of daily little inspirational notes really so um, so yeah if you want something positive in your Facebook feed <laughs> um, <laughs> check that out and I'm on Twitter you know all the usual Instagram <laughs> so, <laughs> brilliant 
so after the you just saying that the sequel yeah um is out next year and and are you writing that at the moment or are you just finished the first draft oh well done (laughs) thank you so much because this was this was quite a grueling one because um i wanted actually just another quick tip really because writing a sequel can be a bit tricky you know because you've you've kind of the, you know, the characters are all familiar and I guess you know you hear recording artists talk about the tricky second album you know because mm-hmm. you pour your fire and passion into the first one and so when I sat down to plan the sequel I was really worried I just thought oh I don't want this to just be kind of a bit blah and, and you know same old same old and so a, a tip for people um, anyone in this position I'm not talking just about sequels but anyone who's trying to think of an idea for a book uh, first book second book whatever um is think about what really fires you up. What do you really care about at the moment? You know, and, and that's what I did with the sequel for me, like Dreamers. I was, I was thinking to myself, what if I could incorporate into the storyline um, would get me really burning to write this book? And and mm. for me personally, I'm horrified at the mental health issues that young people are experiencing right now i mean if you read the statistics they are terrifying you know one in ten young young people has suffered from some kind of mental health condition one in 12 has self-harmed i mean these are official statistics Mm. it to me that just yeah you know it's horrifying and and so yeah so that I thought oh I want to write about that I want to write a novel about that and about young people finding the strength to say right hang on because I feel young people are being failed by adults in the government in the education system and the health you know not the health system but you know the cuts being made to the health Uh system Uh services the support services so I want I I decided to make the sequel all about you know um them just yeah you know just a group of young people deciding enough is enough in the hope that readers will read it and think yeah actually no what no more mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh-huh. you know um, and so so yeah so it's a tip that I want to share really because it was an interesting learning thing for me you know just asking myself that question what do I really really and um that's a great question to ask yourself before you embark on a big project yeah yeah because then it changed you know because I'd had a rough idea of what I was going to write and and it was like you know I thought oh it'll be fun you know but but by in just sort of bringing this storyline into the book it went from something where I was thinking oh it'll be fun to right let me at it you know yeah yeah (laughs) Um, that's great yeah so hopefully that will help with your listeners too I don't know you know but just to ask that yeah ask that question what do you really really care about and how can you work that into a book definitely that's brilliant well I'm very conscious of the time so I will uh, (laughs) let you go but I could talk to you for hours thank you so much for your time and um, it's been so useful Um, I will put all the links in the show notes and I urge everybody to immediately go and read everything that Siobhan oh. says and definitely um, head to Facebook for her daily tips because they're very uplifting and inspirational and very, very helpful. So thank you again, Siobhan. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening today. For show notes and links, head to worriedwriter.com. If you'd like to connect, find me on Twitter at Sarah R. Painter, or use the hashtag WorriedWriter. See you next time.